some holy bread. So grab your coffee and your Bible. Today is Tuesday. It is the 27th day of December in the year of our Lord, 2022. This would be Daybreak Live. With it would be. <laughs> and Brother Charles back there in the back. Look at him. There he is. Boom. <laughs> All right. Good morning, guys. We are here, and I'm glad you're here. Let me jump over here on chat and make sure you're here. Boom. Are you there? Good morning. There's Matthew, Diana, and Bob. All right. Let's lift the name on high of the Lord. You 
was fun. I loved it. Thank you guys for singing with me. Um, also, it's not that Josh has abandoned Daybreak. He's just stuck in Illinois. Illinois. <laughs> so that, that sounds, sounds like a country song. Right. You can write a song. Stuck in Illinois. <laughs> Hallelujah. We will lift up the name of the Lord and keep praising him. Amen. And it's a decision we make every day. No matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening, we make a conscious decision to lift up the name of the Lord and praise his holy name, for he is worthy. He is worthy. I thank God today all our family is safe and he is good to us. Well, let's jump right in. It's been a while since we've been in here. We are in Revelation chapter 19 now. We moved kind of quickly through chapter 18, but the reason is there's really not much explaining to do. The text is really self-explanatory. I did feel like uh, that we should do some highlights and recaps of 17 and 18, but let's start with where we actually are in chapter 19. We have gotten unto verse 7 and 8, but... Let's go ahead and read 1 through 8 uh, from Revelation chapter 19. Thank you for being here this morning. So, huh? You're welcome. Yeah, thank you, family, for being here this morning. I do appreciate it. All right. So, after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Did you know this is the first place this is in the Scripture? Type it in. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. He has avenged her, avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again, they say, Hallelujah. That's a Hebrew word that means praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne, saying, Amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants. And those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. As the sound of many waters. Try to imagine that. The sound of many waters. And the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And this is where we got to. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints well that is awesome in seven it says let us be glad and rejoice 
And basically, here's what it's saying. The consummation of the marriage has taken place. Yeah, babe. What? I cut. The cup almost runneth off the table. <laughs> it runneth over the edge. Okay, thanks, baby. Where was I? Yeah, consummation of marriage. I, I want to show you a little bit of that. Okay, so back up now. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And you can just you can just listen to this and look it up later if you want to, but Paul is talking to the Corinthian church. This is the church of God which is at Corinth. And here's what he says in verse 2. So I'm reading now from 2 Corinthians 11.2. I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Okay. I'll stop there. The only reason I went here is to see, for you to see, this betrothed. For I have betrothed you. Now, in Jewish understanding, when one is betrothed, they are married. There's a ceremony, you know, where the cup of wine is offered to the young lady. Both the young man and the young lady drink of the cup. That's symbolic as well. Jesus said, you shall drink of the cup that I drink of. Okay. Can you drink of my cup? That's a betrothal, and they pledge themselves to one another. Now, the marriage, the consummation of the marriage will be later as the man prepares a place for his bride. This is the way it's supposed to work. I go to prepare a place for you. Yeah. Exactly. So this is why Jesus said these things. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Why? Because when a couple was betrothed, so the young man picks out, this is the woman I want to marry. This is my other half. And I'm going to take her to myself. And we two are going to become one. And now once he has picked her out, now he prepares himself to be a husband, to be able to take care of her to make a place for her so that he can have her come and be with him where he is. That is the point of the marriage. So in that same manner of the Jewish wedding, especially those around the Galilee, the Galilean marriage, that is the type and the picture that the Lord gave us of Jesus and the church. The church is the bride of Christ. We are married to him now. However, the consummation does not take place. That is, we don't get to be with him forever until the second coming or until, as we talked about, the seventh trumpet and the rapture when we get to go and be with him forever and ever. Let me show it to you in another place. Turn over to Ephesians now, chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and I still am planning on recapping 17 and 18. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, let's start with verse 25 here, because this is pertaining to the Lord and the church. He says, husbands, and we use this a lot in marriage counseling or pre-marriage counseling, because Paul is writing this letter, and he says, husbands, love your wives. So I'm in 
Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. There's a sense in which the husband gives up his life for his bride. He lays down his life to provide for his bride, to, to care for her, to shelter her, to love her. Husbands, love your wives. And then he says that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Okay, then later he goes on, he says, listen, and let's just skip to verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. So he's using this admonition to husbands and wives, but he says, but I'm actually talking about Christ and the church here. And so she is washed by the water of the word. Now, if we are the church and we are betrothed to Christ, it is imperative that we get into the Word. This is why we do daybreak. This is why I put daybreak out there, that the bride of Christ and all who is willing may be washed daily, get a little cleansing from the Word of God. Amen? Because we need to continually be washed by the water of the Word. And what's that Word do? That Word is preparing me and you to be ready for our Lord when He comes. A matter of fact, one of the greatest, I would say the greatest fruit of the great tribulation is the maturing of the church, the maturing of the saints, preparing us. Anything that comes into our life that helps us take our minds more off the things here of this world and get our minds more set on that world and realize that we are but strangers and pilgrims This world is not our home, but we're going home, but this world isn't our home. And everything and anything in our life that helps us realize that, the washing of the word and to that realization, heaven's my home, heaven's my home, Jesus is my king. I'm a stranger here. I'm a pilgrim here. I don't fit in exactly here helps us to mature and to become who we need to be for our Lord. Amen and amen. So going back to Revelation chapter 19, when it says in verse 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice. Give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Here's what a Galilean wedding was like when the time was come. The, the bride would be ready and then trumpets would blast and here would come the bridegroom. Now, she didn't know for sure. She knew kind of the season when he would be coming, but she didn't know exactly when he would be coming. And that was 
when the father would say, son, you're now ready, go get your bride, then him and his bride party would go, and they would be blowing the trumpets, and a great celebration would be made as the bridegroom, and you can just imagine the bride hears the bridegroom coming, and she is ready. She is waiting in fine linen, white and clean, for the sounding of the trumpet and for him to and for him to come. Now, Braden and Tally, they did their they actually did their whole wedding like this, didn't they? I mean, they knew knew the season and and she prepared and got herself ready, but then they all just waited for him to come after her because it was a picture of the Lord returning. Got everything ready for it. Yeah, right. I mean, it was pretty amazing. Way totally unlike the world. Yeah. And even the church does yeah. things. Today. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you. Well, I, I just showed her that I, when you were talking about this in the, Jew, in the Jewish tradition, the father chose the bride. Oh, yeah. No man can touch him. So yeah. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He may not have even seen her yet. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus says, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. And this is the picture of Christ and his spotless bride. And she is washed by the water of the word. And notice in verse 7, for she hath made herself ready. How do we make ourselves ready? By obeying our Lord. Now, we can't be born again by our own merits. That's something that's done by grace. But after we're saved by God, after we're saved and we become a child of God, now we are to get the Word of God in us, and this Word of God changes us and prepares us to be with the Lord forever. Hallelujah. What time is it? Okay, so that is good. So. Let's take there and then let's recap the, the difference of the unfaithful that we looked at in 17 and 18. I just want to recap that a little. Because in 17 and 18, and we will move on tomorrow. In 17 and 18, what we have by memory, just to highlight these, is Babylon the Great. Now, Babylon 7 really talks more about the harlot and the uh, religious side, the spiritually corrupt side. And 18, 17 does that. 18 talks about more the economic side. You see the economics of it and the, the money structure. And Babylon is destroyed. And Babylon, mystery Babylon, is this, this great unification, okay? And I'm doing this now. I'm doing this for timeline so that now we can get back set on our timeline. 17 and 18 were explanations from the angel. It's like he... He's explaining now things that's been going on. So here's some highlights of what we learned. There's a harlot in 17, which is the religious false bride. Now, the point of this false bride is this false religious system, as we have shared, is not going to be faithful, and it's going to unify the religions of the world. Now, there is a reason for this. This is going to bring, it's going to be the false religious system of tolerance, okay? 
Now this, why, why is this? Why is Satan doing this? Why is he bringing the false religious system before he brings, in other words, he brings a voluntary religious system before he brings a mandatory religious system of the Antichrist? It's because none of the religions will jump from here to there. There has to be a middle ground to where people fall away from being dedicated to their one way that they was brought up believing. You know, the Christian to his definite, Jesus is the only way, okay? To the, uh, the Muslim, to the Hindu, to the Jew, to all the religions of the world to where they give up this one way thought and they give in to this tolerant religious system, okay, which is going to bring about the rise of the political Babylon, the mighty powerful political Babylon that's going to be the headquarters uh, and the seat of the Antichrist himself. And so, so for, therefore, this tolerant religious system is going to continue until what we call, what I say, what I believe is, uh, the abomination of desolation. So at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, we saw also that the ten kings, these ten nations are going to come into confederation with the Antichrist, and they're going to give their authority to the Antichrist that's raising, that's rising up to power. But then we see that they hate the whore, and the tolerant religious system is going to be judged, and this is part of her judgment, it's judged and burnt with fire as the Antichrist now opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he institutes a mandatory now, you must bow down to me, religious system. And the tolerant religious system has caused people now to break away from their, their dedication to the one way to, because, you know, people can't jump from here to there. There's got to be this ease to it. And he knows, and when that time comes, then he will institute the mandatory, you bow down to me or else. Okay? And so I believe this is going to happen at the beginning of the Great Tribulation. That's where I see this happening. And the false religious system is burnt with fire the Antichrist exalts himself and causes all now to bow down to him. Does that make sense? So now, now we're looking at the political economic side. Remember verse 18, I mean, chapter 18 is describing now God's judgment on the economic side. And everybody has become rich from this system, okay? And matter of fact, unless you take his mark, the mandatory mark of the beast, you cannot participate in the economic system of the world in that day. You can't have a bank account. You can't have a checking account. You can't write checks. You can't have a debit card in that time. But praise the Lord, that time, matter of fact, Jesus says, if he hadn't shortened the days, nobody would be saved. But for the elect's sake, guess what? He shortened the days, praise the Lord. So, we saw that, and so we see the destruction of Babylon, and that's what's cried out. Then we got into chapter 9, and we see the saints of God 
and we saw this also in chapter 18, I think it was verse 20, where the apostles and prophets are saying, yes, they're praising the Lord for the destruction of Babylon, okay? And now, the reason I'm saying this is chapter 19 is bringing us back around now. 19, we're coming back in our timeline to now the seventh trumpet. Verses 7 and 8 declare to us the bride hath made herself ready and let's let's leave here with verse 8 today and to her was granted to be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints so back here in the set sounding of the seventh trumpet what happened at the sounding of the seventh trumpet verse 18 I'm, I'm getting us back to the timeline. Verse 18 goes with uh, 11. Chapter 11, verse 18 goes with chapter 19, verse 8. The nations were angry. Your wrath has come. The time of the dead that they should be judged, that you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, who and those who fear you, both small and great. Remember, we just read in chapter 19, both small and great. And should destroy those who destroy the earth. So now that's getting back in our timeline and say, where's the fine linen, which is the righteous acts of the saints? Do you know the clothing of the saints is going to show to everyone how they walked in obedience to the Lord? Do you know that Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven? Hallelujah. So this clothing that people are going to have on is going to be bright and clean. And it's a reward that is given unto the bride for being faithful. All right. So that should bring us to conclusion today. And if you got questions or thoughts, or I would love to read your thoughts, uh, we will take up with verse 9 tomorrow. So uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, we will uh, take that up tomorrow morning thank you for being here and thank you for being interested enough to be here and to study the word of god Amen. guys and, and let me say this i read this this is another reason i said this today even if you just tapped into daybreak and you happen to still be here at the end of the broadcast but you don't usually watch daybreak i want to encourage you on your own in your own time sometime Please read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. It will wash you. You need the Word of God. You need daily study and a daily dose diet of the Word of God in your life. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. We'll jump off here. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. All right, saints, love you. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow.